go ahead and stand our feet this morning. We worship the Lord together. We serve a good God. Amen.
and he is worthy. Amen. How many came to bless the Lord? In Psalms 103 and verses 1 through 5, the Bible says, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who, who forgives all iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He is worthy this morning. So we bless the Lord with all this within us as we continue to worship. So let's just let our hearts engage with him as we declare his greatness. Amen. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. There's none like you.
Tell me that I'm fearless. She has a melody, tells me to repeat it. He makes me whole. He reminds my soul. I am more than he says.
and I am We're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one thing about a burial, you have to die to be buried. And so this is a symbol of our old life dying, brand new life coming forth. we got family and friends coming up. But if you'll tell us your name and why you're getting baptized today. Yes. Start of a new beginning. We're proud of you. We really are. Well, come on down. Let's just stretch out your hand. We're going to pray over her. Father, we thank you for this special child of God. Lord, we realize the enemy's had a kind of a tug of war with her, and we just declare today that God wins. This is her child, and we just declare the prophetic ministry will come forth in her life. As you baptize her, we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, fill her with your spirit. Never let her be the same. We break every chain off of her, every spirit of inheritance, and we just say she is free in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's the way to have some church, right? Amen. Well, let's stand up to our feet. Unless you want to exhort them first, you can kind of remain relaxed. Relax. All right, here we go. We're going to have a ministry time during the middle of our worship service. And we're going to call our prayer team down. If you have anything you need prayer for, whether it's for healing, whether it's for your family, for your job, for finances, provision. But this is what the Lord says to you today. What does God say about your situation? It's a question he's asking you. What does God say about your situation? Miracles happen. The Bible says when two or more agree touching anything, it will be done. We're believing for miracles today. So if you're sick in the body, what in your body, what does God say? He says, I am the Lord who heals all your diseases. If you are in need of finances, what does God say? God says, I shall supply all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. It says that if God is for us, who can be against us? I can do all things through Christ. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. God has something to say about your situation today. God has something to say. And we would like to pray with you and believe with you for a miracle. So we're calling our prayer team forward. You may stand and I invite you, come forward, receive prayer, and expect a miracle in your life and hear what God is saying. Let's go ahead and stand as we continue to worship. Yeah. 
that together we say Jesus made it all all to him my own the sin had left a crimson stain but he Come on, one last time we say now. Jesus paid it all. All to him by The sin had left the crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Welcome to Church on the Rock. 
we're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room, where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. having our second ever Kids Zone Purity Weekend. It'll be May 13th through 14th. It's for kids around the ages of 10 to 13, and we only have a few spots. We're gonna be going out of town. It'll be overnight about 40 minutes away where we'll be staying in cabins, and we'll be using the Passport to Purity curriculum to really teach kids about reserving themselves for God's best. I encourage you, get your kid to come to this because it's the perfect way for them to learn God's truth about their purity. If you wanna sign up, come up to Kids Zone where you can sign up with me. It's $25 for ages 10 to 13. Amen. Welcome to Church on the Rock. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? You know, wouldn't it be great if some other people were? we got some ushers coming forward. They're going to give you, pass out some invitations. So grab a stack of those invitations. 
get them out to your waitresses, to get them out to co-workers, because, you know, if they would just come and get in the presence of the Lord and let them know they're welcome, no matter what they're wearing, what they look like. I mean, everybody's welcome here at Church on the Rock because we're a family. Amen? Amen. Hey, tonight, if you want to go a little deeper uh, in the things of God, we're going to have a thing called Encounter here at 6 o'clock, about an hour, 15 minutes. We just get in the presence of God. We just worship, minister to Him, listen to the Lord, and do some ministry, and it's just a special time if you'd like to come out to that tonight at 6 o'clock. One other thing, Pastor Travis, who has been here 10 years now, and uh, let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Uh, him and his wife have been ministering to youth and 20s and next generation pastor and even making a transition now a little more to the adults and overseeing our next generation ministry. But after 10 years, we want to give them a sabbatical. That means they get one month to not worry about ministry, just go off somewhere, get by the beach or some family, and, and just get refreshed and renewed. So if you'd like to help us uh, send them off in any way, you can just mark on your offering uh, Travis or Jackson's or sabbatical on there, and we'll make sure that helps go to just let them have a month to just get refreshed and restored. Do you think that's worth it up about 10 years of ministry, especially to young people? Amen. Pastor Linnell? Amen. Why don't you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to read starting with verse 17. It says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. We just returned from a trip to Tuxtepec, Mexico, and we were with a church there that gets this scripture. They, oh, this was at the youth. We did a, Zach and I did something out by the water for the youth. We ministered in their church, did a kids camp. We did a women's conference. But these women understand that even in their need and in their poverty, that they need to give to others. This church goes with us and joins with us to feed and to help clothe the Sotseal and Chamula Indians. Every year they've come with us and they've bought shoes and they've distributed shoes to women and children. They get it. And like I said, we helped paint, do some painting while we were there. They don't see themselves as poor. They see themselves as blessed. And out of that, they give to others. Let me say, we are more blessed than most of the people in the world. And we can always be a blessing to others. So I want to encourage you, always be willing to share. Always be willing to bless others. And God says, then he will take care of you. We're going to get ready to receive our offering as we go back into worship. You give a life. You are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, yeah.
song says, the very air I breathe is a gift from God. The oxygen that I don't create but can't live without. Let me know God is the one that provides for us. Can we just reach out to heaven and just say, thank you, Lord, for being kind to us today. Thank you, Lord, for the physical health that you've given us, the dexterity in our fingers. Come on, just thank God a moment that you've got eyes that see and ears that hear. That there was food on the table and a place to sleep last night. God, we just thank you because you're so kind to us. Come on, just, just say it out loud. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being kind to me. I want you to just say thank you to God for saving you, for, 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 for every believer that God's given us the gift of eternal life. Thank you, God. We bless you today, Lord. One more time. We pour out our praise to you, Lord. We pour out our praise. last thing. Lord, we just want to, as best we're able today, place our lives afresh in your hand. And just like a sailboat is dependent on the wind and dependent on the rudder, we just give you the, the, the right to direct our life wherever you want it to go. Come on, just pray that prayer right now. Just say, Lord, take my future and point me in the right direction. Lord, I want to be the person that you created me to be. I don't want to waste my life, but Lord, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody's in? Amen. Amen. Hey, tell your neighbor they're looking really good this morning. And you may be seated. Well, turn your Bibles this morning, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6. We have been doing a series called Heroes. And a hero is simply someone that I want to be like, someone that I admire, someone whose character, their accomplishments. Uh, I have a hero, uh, Brother Larry Myers. He's an apostle in Mexico, and I, I read his little newsletter this week, and I just thought, wow, Lord, here this guy's 80 years old, and he's going like he did when he was 40, and he's making a difference with his life. Now, last week, if you were here, we talked about three guys in the Old Testament, three young men in their 20s likely, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The message was about conviction and courage. How many know conviction are, convictions are strongly held beliefs, and how many know our beliefs need to be grounded in the Bible. Uh, I don't want my beliefs, the one that I stake my life on, to be grounded in modern psychology. I don't want them to be grounded in modern, uh, much of modern thought. I want it to be grounded in the Bible. And how many know courage is simply standing for what's right when other people are doing wrong? It's exactly what Jesus expects of his followers, that we would have convictions based on the Bible and the courage to stand for what's right in a wayward world. Well, today we're going to talk about a guy named Philip. Philip, you might not know him. He is, you don't hear a lot of stories about him, but he was a deacon in the New Testament church. He was an ordinary man, and that's why I like him, because he was a man that was committed to two things, purpose, which was reaching people for Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. A guy just like you and a guy just like me that saw the most important thing he could do was help people have a relationship with God and then literally minister to them and help them in the power of God's Spirit. So uh, I've entitled the message, Purpose and Power, and uh, let's begin in Acts chapter 6. And I want to make this statement to you today, and it is that God uses ordinary people to do amazing things. Can I say that again? God uses ordinary people to do amazing things. 
Sometimes we feel like unless we've gone to Bible college or unless we have some level of education or unless we are like some other person, unless we stand behind a pulpit that God could never use us. Can I tell you, absolutely not true. Uh, One of the tragic things that came out of the Middle Ages is this little thing right here called the pulpit. And what happened is there was a separation between the clergy and the laity. And the clergy were the people that had gone to some form of Bible training. Uh, The lady would come and listen. Uh, And for a while, probably good. But what happened and what it evolved into is you had professionals in ministry. People came to watch and maybe to learn a little about the Bible or do their religious duty. And that's kind of the way that they live their lives. Can I tell you, there's so much more. The purpose of a pastor, evangelist, uh, teacher, an apostle, a prophet, as the Bible says, is to equip people for the work of the ministry. Which simply means we come together on a weekend, we worship God, we hear God's word, we find help in our struggles, and we're encouraged to go out and live the life that God's called us to live. And that's something that Philip did, and we're going to begin in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, the New Testament church is at a great place. The day of Pentecost is, has come, thousands have come to Christ. There is a zeal for serving God throughout the church, but yet they're met with hostility by the same Jews that crucified Christ. And as this church was growing, let's begin in verse 1. It says, Now in these days a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now what in the world does that mean? Hellenists were non-Jews. They were Greeks. They were the Gentile people. And they were complaining against the Hebrews. The church started as a Jewish church, started as a Jewish church among the Hebrews. And lo and behold, it's grown, and these folks feel like their their widows are not being treated right. This was the church benevolence program. It's the way that it cared for the needy, and they were caring for widows. And here was the solution. The, The 12, or the apostles, summoned the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Now, the preaching the Word of God, that was the reaching people. That's bringing life to people. And they didn't minimize this practical ministry of serving tables. We might call it the gift of helps or administration. But that they saw is the primary purpose was reaching people for Christ. The primary purpose of them and us was populating heaven, more in heaven and less people that will face eternity away from God in a real place called hell But notice what it said, verse 3, and here's where the message takes focus. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit. Can you say that with me? Full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. And we'll appoint these men to this duty. The saying pleased the whole gathering, and they chose seven men. Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Spirit. And they chose Philip, and of course there were five more. But what I want to look at is Philip the deacon. A deacon not in perhaps the sense that you went to a church and the board of deacons ran the church. Deacon is the Greek word diakonos. It means a servant of God. And they were literally helping people in need, a very viable viable Christian Christian duty. But it's this last, uh, they were also full of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to understand issues and make good decisions. But it's the last issue that I want to look at this morning, being full of the Spirit. It means to be under the control of the Spirit, using the gifts of the Spirit, acting under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to use you to literally do remarkable things in life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we're to be always to be continually filled with the Spirit. 
The tense of the verb suggests that God's Holy Spirit perhaps is like the gas in your car. I mean, if we decide that we're going to go on a road trip and at some point in time, we can't just keep running that car. At some point in time, we've got to get a fill up. At some point in time, unless there is fuel in the engine, it's not going to go any farther. And I suggest to you, in our lives as Christians, I mean, when we receive Christ as Savior, when the realization of God comes in your life, that's because the Holy Spirit has come to be a part of your life. God reveals Himself to you through the Spirit. Uh, The Bible says in Romans, if we have not the Spirit, we're none of His, which means every Christian, every born-again person has the Spirit of God living in us. But yet the Bible would talk about a relationship with the Holy Spirit that could differ. You remember the disciples, when Jesus talked to them, He said, right now the Spirit is with you, bringing conviction to you, helping, guiding you. But one day He's going to be in you, and He'll even come upon you. Uh, A visitation that happened on the day of Pentecost and after that. But we want to explore this together this morning and see what this means. But I want you to see in the life of Philip, he had two dynamics at work, like my two fingers. He had purpose, which was his mission in life. And he had power, which was the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled him to do what God called him to do. Uh, Acts chapter 8, we're going to begin now. When purpose and power come together, amazing things can happen. Amazing things can happen. Uh, Acts chapter 8, the church has changed. The church has grown large. Uh, the church is being persecuted. Stephen, the, the deacon that we read about, he was killed in the previous chapter. Uh, he was killed. He was stoned to death by the Jews. And now Jewish people are spreading all over the Roman Empire preaching the gospel. Look at verse 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Those who were scattered went about hiding in caves. No, they went about preaching the Word of God. They went about doing what was their primary purpose, their mission in life. Now, if I were to ask you a question, how many preachers in the room? Let me go ahead. How many preachers in the room? Let me see your hand here. Oh, they got a few. This word preach does not mean only do what I'm doing. Preach means to communicate the gospel. When Matthew described it, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say people that are vocationally trained, go out and do my work. To preach means to communicate. And how many know all of us are communicators of the gospel? You may communicate with the gospel with people at work. You may communicate with uh, the gospel with your neighbor across the fence talking about the yard. You may communicate with strangers at Walmart. You may communicate uh, in, in, in the jail when you go on jail ministry. But all Christians are communicators of the gospel. We're communicators first by our lifestyle, by our character, by our actions, and obviously by our words. But notice now, they go out doing this gospel communication. And Philip goes down to the city or the region of Samaria, and what did he do? He proclaimed Christ to them. Now, the next part gets interesting. The crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Can you say heard and saw? So it was not just someone talking about Jesus. There was some demonstration of the Holy Spirit in his life that was capturing their attention. And verse 7 tells us what it is. Unclean spirits, demonic spirits, cried out with a loud voice, and they came out of many who had them. Let me know those people were tormented. They were hurting. They They were afflicted in their life. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Now that's an incredible statement. 
But back to the demonic part, you know, uh, how many believe that demons literally are on the earth today? Now listen, humanistic teaching today would scoff at that. It was called mythology. It was for uneducated people in a, in a prior unscientific age. And now that we understand things today, we know there's no such things as, as demons. We, we, we scratch our heads as modern Americans when we look at some of the violence that we see in America today. In our own newspaper a couple days ago, there's a, 13, uh, there's, a, there's a son of 13, and his dad hires a prostitute to come to his house to teach him how he's supposed to behave. I mean, that man is vastly misguided and misdirected but we see things today if you look at the uh, what goes on in our world today the violence against young children in the womb uh, if you look at what's happening across our world today sexual immorality has gone rampant I, I suggest to you there's demonic activity everywhere we don't even realize it today it finds a name in the, in the diagnostic manuals, uh, and as we as scientists or psychologists understand the physical dynamics, we somehow make a separation between the spiritual causes and think that everything is materialistic in its cause. Not so, according to the Bible. I mean, no, people were afflicted with demons back then, and even today, people are tortured. They're tortured, and they need freedom that can only come through Christ. Uh, but Philip, and I want you to see two things in this. Philip was a man on a mission, but he was a man that moved with spiritual power. And let's first talk about this idea, uh, a man on a mission from Jesus. And I want to ask you this question. What is your mission in life? What is the purpose of your life? I was at a life group on Wednesday night, and that was one of our topics. And some people said, well, I don't even know. I, I said, I can easily tell you that. Jesus told us in Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world or go to all people and communicate the gospel. It is the primary purpose of every Christian to help influence as many people for Christ as we can. We are rescuing people from the, from the drowning that are drowning in sin to lead them to eternal salvation. It's our job. It's the number one thing we have. It's more important than trophies. It's more important than, than uh, turkey hunting. Uh, it's, more important. it's more important than making money. It's more important than accolades. It's more important than any success is that our influence of, for people for Christ. It is, it is why our church exists. Jesus already told the church, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, our little simple mission statement, four fingers, that we want to connect you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Well, what's the first thing in connecting people to God? Leading them to Christ. Leading them to water baptism and, and an encounter with the Spirit and spiritual growth. Connecting them with the world, with lost people, going on missions trips, handing out those little invitation cards. I'll tell you a little story. There was a, there was a young man many years ago, about 40 years ago, and uh, he was 19 years of age. And on the outside, it looked like everything was great for him. He was going to college. He was on an athletic scholarship. Uh, one night, he'd date the head cheerleader. The next night, the majorette. Uh, always had beer and other stuff in the car. None of your business what it was. But he was the kind of the go-to guy. And, uh, but the oddest thing would happen. In the afternoons, he worked for his dad. And, and uh, he was, they, they were farmers. And he would just drive the tractor all afternoon. And a 19-year-old boy with a brand new car and everything going well would cry. Say, well, he needed psychiatric care. I, I don't think so. What he was coming to realize is he was realizing that there's something missing in my life. Something that a relationship can't fill, something that an alcohol can't fill, something that, that, that achievements can't fulfill. There's a God-shaped void in my life. And I was that guy. 
So I ran away from my problems like many people do. I'm getting ready to join the Navy. We're getting ready to go to boot camp. And this man shows up. He's a Gideon. He was kind of a geeky-looking guy, kind of an engineer type, had pencils in his pocket. Everybody laughed at him. But he gave the little Bible, and he said, Jesus could change your life, that if you would just read the pages of this book and you would see what God can do for you, it'll change your life. And on August 15, 1976, I gave my life to Christ because the Gideon's primary purpose was not just to go to work that day, but it was to minister to people, come on, to share the love of God. He had no idea what seed would come up when he began to sow. It is your purpose, it is mine, and it was Philip's. But Philip had something to help him do his purpose in a, more, in, in, in a greater way. Uh, I love to turkey hunt. It's turkey season. I'm not doing too sporty this year, but it's not because I'm not trying. I've got a box call, and I've got something they call a pot call. One of them is made out of glass. Not pot you smoke, but it's a, it's a round thing, okay? One's made out of glass. One's made out of aluminum. One's made out of almost a blackboard material. I've got mouth calls. I've got little push calls because I want everything that I can to try to get that old turkey to, to, to give me a shout and interact with him. Well, doesn't it make the same sense that as Christians, we need every tool there is to be able to effectively reach people for Christ? And it's not just tools of media and lights and sound and that kind of stuff, but we need what the Holy Spirit has, come on, to be able to change the lives of people. Now, there's a question I want to ask you today. Can we expect the power of the Holy Spirit to be available today? That Philip, as he was able to free people from demons' control, heal people that were sick, could we believe that all the gifts of the Spirit, dreams and visions, can these things happen today? Well, if you look at your Bibles, Jesus was clear to the early church, certainly. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses, but you'll do it with power, purpose and power in your life. And a, a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit was the key. Uh, Christians are divided over this. They're divided whether the, the, the activity of the Spirit is available for today or if it was just relegated to yesterday. Many of us were raised in churches that believed in dispensationalism or the doctrine was cessationism. The root word cease. And it meant that the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit ceased when the apostles died. But Philip was not an apostle. He was a deacon. They believed that when the Bible was brought together, canonized, that there was no longer a need for the demonstrations of the Spirit to confirm the Word. Those that believe the opposite, continuism, believes that the Holy Spirit can bestow spiritual gifts on any believer, any time. And perhaps that's why in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, the Bible says, desire spiritual gifts. I don't ask you what you think about this today. Do you believe it was just for yesterday or is it, is it possible for today? I can tell you, I decided. And, and my experience, I began in the Methodist church as a boy, grateful for it, a little conservative church. Got saved through a Gideon. I was discipled in the Assembly of God churches in the Navy. Uh, I ended up going to a Catholic church on Thursday night in, in the cellar. It was a charismatic prayer group. I did a sabbatical in the Baptist church. So I've got some you know, experience across the spectrum. And someone challenged me one time and said, you know what, rather than just listen to someone else, why don't you just go to the Bible for yourself? And when I went to the Bible for myself, number one, I couldn't find any scriptures that clearly told me that the acts of the supernatural were not for today. But then I looked at how Jesus started his church. 
Jesus was baptized with the Spirit. Remember when he was baptized in water? And his life was supernatural. Nobody argues that. But then the 12 he sent out, they did supernatural acts as they preached with purpose. Nobody doubts that. But did you know that Jesus then sent out 70 or 72 of his followers? He told them to do the same thing. I want you to preach the word and I want you to move in the power of the Spirit. And then when the New Testament church started on the day of Pentecost, it started supernaturally. And the whole New Testament has the flavor of the Spirit of God at work. You see, if I don't believe this is possible for today, I've got to cut out a lot of my Bible. Not only do I, must I disregard the book of Acts for more than history, I've got to cut out, uh, for example, 1 Corinthians 14.1, desire spiritual gifts. I've got to cut out the gifts of the book of Romans. I've got to cut out in Paul's epistle to Timothy when he said, stir up the gift that is within you by the laying on of hands of the elders. Not the apostles, but the elders. I suggest to you that it is for today. And I want to show you a little quick video about visions and dreams that Muslims are having coming to Christ around the world. It is the supernatural voice of God. Take a little peek at this. Muslims are experiencing Jesus through dreams and visions, and it's a growing phenomenon in the Islamic world. Julie Stahl has the testimonies of several men who say Jesus supernaturally appeared to them and changed their lives forever. Take a look. The phenomenon of these dreams and visions has spread throughout the Muslim world from Indonesia to Morocco and beyond. Several years ago, Ali went on the Hajj, the Muslim pilgrimage to Mecca. Of course, when I went to Mecca, I was going there in order to pay homage to the Kaaba and to fulfill the requirements in Islam. Ali's experience in Mecca is dramatized in this DVD called More Than Dreams. But that night, I saw Jesus in a dream. First, Jesus touched my forehead with his finger. And after touching me, he said, you belong to me. And then he touched me above my heart. You have been saved. Follow me. You belong to me, he said. So I decided, okay, I'm not going to finish the Hajj, the pilgrimage. Whatever it takes, I'm going to follow that voice. In addition to Ali's story, the DVD tells of other Muslims who came to faith in Jesus through a dream or vision. We're seeing that all around. We're hearing about people that have never even thought about Jesus as Savior. They're content Muslims and they're having dreams over and over. Tom Doyle serves in E3 Ministries. He and his wife Joanna take the gospel to the Muslim world. Tom also wrote the upcoming book, Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? I think our God is a fair God. He's righteous and just. When people are seeking, they don't know where to go. Maybe they don't have a Bible. Maybe there's no missionary in the village. He'll get the message to him somehow. This woman comes from a Central Asian country. Her identity is hidden for security reasons. In the church, if you ask how many people, how people came to Christ, 80% will say they saw him in a dream. A Christian friend challenged this woman to ask God to speak to her personally. So I decided to ask him, and so I did. And then, um, the next day, I guess, I saw a dream, and I saw, in my dream, I saw Jesus was a bridge. I decided to come to him. What do you think about that? Again, they're not converted in the dream, but the dream opens their eyes to the reality of Christ. And why does it surprise us when Peter, when he spoke on the day of Pentecost, quoted the Old Testament Joel, and he said, in the last days, and how many believe we're there? 
I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will uh, see visions. And on your sons and daughters will prophesy. Uh, I'm in the prophesying stage. I'm not old for dreams yet. How about you? But anyway, it's the language of the spirit. Now, listen, I know this gets kind of scary for some people. I know that there's some weird and spooky things out there. And I've seen weird and spooky. Anybody else? But you know what? I've also seen the real, and I've also experienced the real. I've received prophetic words from people that changed the course of my life, that bore witness to what God was leading me to do with my life. Several weeks ago, my wife is leading us in prayer, this little prayer time. She has the gift of prophecy. That's why one of the reasons she does it. And uh, she said, the Lord showed me there's someone that's suicidal today. During the prayer time, a woman walks up and said, it's me, and I want you to pray for me. I mean, God, I mean, no, God knows what we don't know, and God can do what we can't do. And that's why we need not only the right purpose, but the power of His Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter, look at, let's look at verse 14. Now, Philip is in this great revival. In verse 14, we're going to see what happened next. The apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent to them Peter and John, the apostles. And when they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that odd? These people are Christians, and now they send two apostles down, and they want to pray for some subsequent blessing from the Holy Spirit. Again, now, I firmly believe that if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you. Scripture says in Romans, if you have not the Spirit, you're none of His. But if you look at the words that were that were described in the Scripture, the prepositions that, 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 that are used to describe the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Spirit would be with you. <laughs> we're competing today. You know what? I bet you can watch outside with her. They got the TV and the video out there. Um, now I'm lost. Where was I? Somebody say help the poor preacher. Uh, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard Samaria to receive the Word of God, they sent Peter and John who came down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they'd only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, they're baptized in water. How many would say these people are fully Christians? And then they did something interesting. These spiritual men laid their hands on them. See, this is why when we have prayer time, oftentimes someone will take them by the hand or place their hand on someone's forehead because it's like a spiritual transference, believing by faith that the Holy Spirit will act. And lo and behold, uh, the Holy Spirit comes on them. And then these preachers return to Jerusalem preaching the gospel, doing this purpose they're called to do. Now, when I was first introduced to this idea that there might be something, uh, uh, a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, i got to admit to you, it kind of scared me a little bit. I was introduced to an Assembly of God church when I was in Alaska, in Adak, Alaska. And though I couldn't understand some of the dynamics around me, my heart was drawn to the Spirit of God that I sensed in their midst. And then when I began to read the Bible for myself, it showed me something. Because the early church realized the importance of welcoming the Holy Spirit. And they believed that you could have an encounter with the Holy Spirit after salvation. Acts chapter 19. This was the one that sealed it for me. Acts chapter 19. Paul came to the city of Ephesus and he found some disciples. So disciples, followers of Christ. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Isn't this interesting? And they said, well, we not even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. 
And he said, well, how were you baptized, your water baptism? And they said, into John's baptism. It was a baptism of repentance. But notice further, verse 5, on hearing this, they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many would say, without question, these guys are Christians? Disciples baptized in water. But notice what happens next. Verse 6, Paul lays his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they begin speaking in an unlearned language or speaking in tongues and, and, and prophesying. This, this language of the Spirit. Now, again, it was not spooky or weird. This, this, it was a, it was a, a spiritual encounter. Um, now, I've been around weird and spooky people. Anybody, anybody here? Yeah, sure. But this was not weird and spooky. This was a normal thing for the church when they encountered God. And it allowed them to fulfill their purpose. I want to go back to verse 46. This, this gets even, even more profound in my opinion because you may say, well, I don't know about the miraculous stuff, but I want to encourage you, friend, every one of us that's a believer should believe that the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us, that the Holy Spirit can speak to us, not just in conviction for sin, but in, in, in warnings, in directive activity. Let me read this here, verse 26. Again, now, this is Philip, and this great revival is going on. And now the Holy Spirit is going to lead him to people in need of Christ. Verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now, I don't know what the angel looked like, but it was a real angel. Uh, the Bible teaches there are angels. The Bible literally talks about guardian angels for kids. The Bible talks about angels protecting us. Hebrews talks about meeting someone who you thought was a person but was literally an angel. They're called meeting angels unawares. But notice what it says. It said, the angel said, rise and go towards the south to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's just like saying to you, uh, if the Lord were to speak to you in church and say, after church, I want you to just drive to Redwater. Now, I live in Redwater, a great place to live. Uh, he arose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a court official of Candace. This is northern Africa, queen of the Ethiopians. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, this man was not Jewish. He was what's called a God-fearer. This man was perhaps a, pras- a proselyte to Judaism. He was someone that, 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 uh, that was endeavoring to follow the God of the Hebrews, to follow Jehovah, but he didn't know Christ. Now, he's a man of political influence, which is key. And what I want you to see is, is he is going home, verse 28, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. You may say, wow, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. No, this was a divine encounter. Verse 29, and, 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 and it says, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. He was not in a trance when God talked to him. He didn't have to, you know, fold his fingers and cross his legs and go, um. He was a born-again man, and the Spirit of God was in him, and he had learned to hear the voice of the Lord. And the Lord was about to direct him to lead someone to Christ. Now, Philip knew the voice of the Lord, verse 30. He ran to this man, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I unless someone guides me? Well, Shazam, (laughs) there's Philip. And then Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Now, don't you think about how incredible that is? Imagine if the Lord tells you, were to tell you, for example, I, I want you to go to Wright-Patman this afternoon. You'll say, well, it's raining. I'm not going. Come on, you need to obey what the Lord tells you to do. 
So you go, oh, how about, this will be easier, go to the mall. And you go to the mall and you're just walking around looking for sales. And the Lord speaks to you that there's a person in your favorite store, the pretzel place, okay? There's someone in your favorite store and the Lord wants you to just talk to them. Now, how many know that would be pretty scary? And usually pretty weird. You would not go up to them and say, Yay, yay, the Lord God Almighty has sent me unto thee. No. You would just go up and you'd say, Excuse me just a second. I know you don't know me, and you might think this odd, but I was walking through the mall, and I felt God draw me to you simply to tell you that he has a plan for your life not to give up and quit. And unbeknownst to you, this gal was getting ready to commit suicide. She got up that morning, she left the home, and she said, God, if you don't show yourself to me, I'm going to drive my car into an embankment. Now, isn't that pretty much the same thing that we just read that Philip did? The Holy Spirit led him. And you know what happened then? The gospel came to North Africa. That's how God supernaturally directed the spread of primary purpose. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand today. I'm going to close with Acts 16. This idea of God's guidance is profound. Every Christian can receive guidance from the Holy Spirit. Every Christian can find God's help in making decisions. Acts 16, this was a common thing. Look at verse, uh, verse 6. Paul and his, his companions, imagine now, Paul is out preaching the gospel. He's spreading the good news. He's doing primary purpose, his mission. But the scripture says he was kept or forbidden by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. Now, isn't that interesting? How many know God not only wants us to share, reach people, but reach the right people at the right time? He not only wants us to go out with the gospel, He wants us to go to certain places. Well, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, this is the Holy Spirit, would not allow them. How many know it's always easier to steer a bicycle when you're moving? Pretty hard just to... Well, as the Christian is moving, God's saying, not here, not here... But look at verse 9. Paul had a vision of a man begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to do what? Preach the gospel to them. That's our purpose. Now you say, what's the significance of that? They wanted to take a right turn, which would have taken them east to India, the Holy Spirit wanted them to take a left turn, which took them west into Europe with the gospel. And how many know the gospel hopped from Europe to America? And how many know we're here today because of this encounter with the Holy Spirit where uh, someone heard the Lord, did what he said, and the gospel momentum went this direction? Now, how many know now that's pretty powerful? And that's exactly God's intention in life for all of us, that we would be people of purpose but people of power accomplishing God's will with our choice to go and His Holy Spirit to anoint us. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? And I want to just take just a moment and pray with you. I want to encourage you, if I maybe said some things today that you didn't understand or were new to you, go. it'll be online in a day or two. Actually, it's probably online right now, isn't it? The notes are online. I know in all the scriptures. And do what I did as a young boy begin to explore the pages of the Bible with a heart of faith 
They say, God, maybe you could do this through me today. I want you to just bow your heads just a moment, and I hope your heart resonates like mine does today with your primary purpose. I want to ask your friend this question. How long has it been since you shared your faith with someone? How long has it been since you prayed for somebody about their soul? How long has it been since you made a step to try to reach someone for Christ? How long has it been since you showed the love of God to a hurting and broken person? And when they said thank you, you talked to them about Christ. Maybe this is a time today where you can make a decision and say this, Lord, my tomorrows are not going to be like my yesterdays. If you told all of us in the Great Commission to go and bring your gospel to all nations, Lord, I want to go. Whether it's a missions trip, whether it's to my family, my friends, my co-workers, to a stranger in the mall, God, if you said go, I want to be willing to go. But Lord, I don't want to go just in my own strength and ability. I want to ask your Holy Spirit to anoint me as I go. I want to ask you, Lord, to let me have the gifts of the Spirit at work. I choose today to do what 1 Corinthians 14 said, is to desire spiritual gifts. Can we just reach out to heaven just a moment and say, Lord, that's what I'm praying for now. I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to move through my life. Lord, I know there's spiritual strongholds out there. There's demonic barriers. I know Satan's trying to blind people, and they need freedom and help that's more than just my argument. They need the power of God working in their lives. Lord, you took an ordinary guy like Philip, and you did some incredible things. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing with me, because I'm a man on a mission, and I want to go with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing one song and, and close today. I'm really thrilled that you were here today and we're going to have a last opportunity for prayer maybe you're here and there's something in this message that really resonated with you maybe you had a bad experience with this whole idea of what the spirit can do but but you want god to kind of set you free from that and go forwards maybe you want someone to pray for you like they prayed in the book of acts that people would be filled with the spirit we'll pray for you Maybe you just want someone to pray for you that God would start using you in supernatural ways. I can't think of a better way than to come to the altar and see prayer. But the most important thing we'd like to pray for you today is this, friend. It's about your spiritual life. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I died today if I'd go to heaven or hell. And I tell you, friend, there's absolutely nothing more important. And who I am today is I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm just trying to point you to Jesus Christ who gave his life for you on a cross 2,000 years ago. I want to tell you what that Gideon told me when I was a boy. About August 10th, 1976, he said, Jesus had a plan for my life. He said, I needed forgiveness, but I had to ask God for forgiveness and that God wanted me to commit my life to follow him. And on August 15, 1976, I wrote my name in that little Gideon Bible, and I've been following Jesus ever since. Maybe this is your day. Maybe your heart is pulling you right now to make a commitment to Christ. My friend, don't say no. Do it while God is calling you because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And if that's you, if you're wanting to make a commitment of your life to Christ, I want to encourage you when we begin to sing, just slip over to the cross to your right. There'll be somebody there that'll meet you with you and talk with you and pray with you and give you some things to help you in your spiritual life. So if you want to commit your life or recommit your life to Christ, don't let anything hold you back. 
when we begin to sing, you come and we'll pray. Anyone else that needs prayer, I'm going to ask that we begin to sing one time and then dismiss. But our prayer team is coming to the altar right now. They're here for you. And we're going to believe God with you. If you want prayer for anything, just slip out of your chair. Come on up. We'll stand with you. But the most important thing is if you're committing your life to Christ, don't let this moment pass by. Come, let us pray. Thanks so much for coming today. I love you. In your presence I've tasted and seen Of the sweetest of love and My heart becomes free But my shame is undone In Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and feel the atmosphere. You glory, God, to what our hearts long. They're going to remain around front. They'll be happy to pray with you for anything and everything you've got going on. You're welcome this morning to stay around and worship, too, if you like. and want to remind you about prayer tonight at 6. Be blessed. Have a great week. Hope to see you next week. Oh, Lord.